Hey everyone, welcome back to Podside Picnic. Uh, my dear co-host Pete, once again, as happens occasionally, had to go investigate some disturbances. It was all kind of vague. I don't know what's going on. I'm sure he'll be fine. But we're joined today by a very special guest. Um, he is someone whose work I've mentioned many times on this show, actually, uh, in different capacities. His name's Ian McMahon. Welcome, Ian. Hey, Connor. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. And just to be clear, Ian is, most importantly for our purposes today, he is one of the two founding editors of a brand new literary journal called The New Gothic Review. And that name will tip you off to a lot of what our conversation will be about. Uh, Ian is also a literary agent. And we agreed that it would probably be less awkward if I just said up front, Ian is my agent. <laughs> uh He's the mysterious agent that I've referenced uh, a couple times over the run of the show. So, um, yeah, that's who Ian is. And I, I'm pumped about this one because this is, other than Pete, I think Ian's probably the person I most discuss uh, writing, certainly my writing with. So it's great to have you on, man. Thanks. I feel like that's a pretty uh, gothic introduction as it is. I'm the ghost that is uh, referenced and appeared but has never made a presence, but here I am. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's actually really great. Yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, and, and I think this is something that I, that I find fascinating because, um, you know, you obviously have a strong interest in the Gothic. Uh, you founded a, a publication called The New Gothic Review, um, and that interest has come out a lot in our work together, sort of dealing with my projects. Uh, that interest is, of yours has come in very handy thus far. Um, so I think it's good to start. I want to get into your publication. But I mean, first, Ian, help us clear something up, because the word gothic gets tossed around a lot. I use it a lot. I think it gets used imprecisely a lot. And it certainly can mean a couple of different things. So when when you say gothic in the context of literature and of your publication, what does the gothic mean to you? Sure. So, I mean, obviously, like, that's the question. Um, and something that I, when we started this project, part of the idea was to kind of play around with what that means. So in a way that we're actually trying to be imprecise with it, um, there's no shortage of definitions about what uh, Gothic is. And I think our goal was to kind of boil it down a little bit to its like kind of core stuff. Like if you strip away the tropes and the, and the imagery that gets recycled, like what do you have at the end of the day? And for us, that kind of meant um, the Gothic literature, it, it, it creates this space. Um, it's a genre where you're kind of able to uh, manifest your fears and anxieties in such a kind of tangible way that you can confront them. And I think part of that, you know, is about, it's a lot also has to do with like confronting histories, histories that kind of remain or refuse to be buried, which is another important aspect of it. And this idea that you kind of have these, two forces that really don't like to come together in a way. You have this kind of, this history that refuses to go away and you have kind of the need for change. And when those two things come together, it creates this tension that is 
what I consider to be like the kind of core space of Gothic literature. Uh, and that's a really roundabout way. I don't know if I answered that question very well, but I think you answered it brilliantly. I think you got <laughs> really deep into the kind of not just the conceptual essence of it, but also how it operates narratively, like what has to actually happen in a Gothic story. And, and I think that this is kind of the beguiling thing about the Gothic as a genre. Your answer is different, is somewhat different, at least than every other answer I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um when I talk about the Gothic, I tend to cast it in terms of ghosts and haunting, which is saying yeah. much the same thing as you're saying. I mean, it's a, you know buried histories and deep fears all coming to life and being manifested. And the manifestation is, of course, really important. It somehow erupts into your concrete reality. Um, and I think we're basically in agreement there. But it's just interesting the different terminologies that get tossed around. And one of the reasons I think the terminologies vary so much is because this usually gets discussed and cast in terms of surface aesthetics, you know, stormy moors, haunted mm. houses. Um, am I right yeah. about that? No, I think you're totally right about that. And I think that was something that we wanted to address in a way. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the Gothic is more than just a haunted house. And I think more, I mean, I don't want to say this concretely, but I, I do feel the Gothic more than other genres has kind of been defined a lot by its tropes which is all good, but I feel like it kind of, there's more to it that has kind of been lost along the way it feels like. Does that mean, does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I think that one of the reasons we love the Gothic on this show, and one of the reasons that I love it as a compulsive genre bender and genre hybridizer is it can fit into other um, genres quite neatly. I mean, you have Gothic horror is kind of a well-known example of this um the gothic can easily be an element of fantasy or sci-fi it can be an element of romance and all these things can mix together within the gothic um and and the gothic doesn't even have to be the genre something's participating in it can just be kind of a strain within it actually someone um we have a really great set of patrons that listen to this show and if you're listening to this and you're not a patron you can become one of those great patrons but (laughs) um i love our crew and in our discord we have some really interesting people uh, one of whom our buddy Frank said recently, um, I, I pulled out the old trope that I associate with Leslie Fiedler, uh, the great critic of American literature, but of course is older than him. And I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but it's that there's two stories, right? Stranger comes to town or someone leaves town. And he said, <laughs> what about a third option? The third option is there's something in the town that every, that's been there the whole time and everyone has to mm. confront it. And I was like, Wow. That is, <laughs> yeah. That's actually great, and that 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 shows you the versatility and kind of the the deep essentiality of the Gothic, which is that like it does it does almost open up this whole new vista of storytelling that can go in so many different directions. That's kind of a ramble, but I, I think we're getting into some interesting territory here with that. No, I think that's exactly right. I think it it should be opened up like that, and that's kind of what we started the magazine with the idea to do. Uh, was to look at stories that do that. And I think part of uh, what you said is really interesting in that it is a genre that gets adopted very quickly into other genres. And I feel like as soon as it is adopted to another genre, it loses the Gothic label, at least as far as like, you know, these publishing marketing departments are concerned. Um, And I feel like there's a lot of really interesting work that is Gothic that's not getting that Gothic label. And I think that was another thing that we wanted to just think about and be open to as we read and put stories together. Yeah. I think that's a really important point. I think we actually live, well, I don't want to say we already live in a new golden age of Gothic, but a lot of things with a strong Gothic element seem to be 
entering the culture in a big way. And I've written about this a little bit elsewhere and talked about it on the show, but that's a good segue. I mean, you're saying that the God, I mean, fittingly, what you just said is essentially the Gothic is there. It permeates everything, but we we deny that it's everywhere, which is like (laughs) reproduces the, the genre itself in the kind of the way it fits into the culture, which is great. Um, but I mean, you started something called the new Gothic review. And I think that you've worked really diligently with that. I know you've worked really diligently with, with it to kind of understand what the cutting edge of the Gothic is now, what the Gothic means in our culture now. Um, what do you think about all of that? Uh, well, it's obviously, um, it's a big question. And I think the thinking about what the cutting edge of the Gothic is now is that it's so open. And then to say a little bit more about that is you kind of, I think it's being adapted in a lot of cool ways. You know, you have um, a, a kind of more widely popular version of it is like uh, eco-gothic and the kind of work of like Jeff Vandermeer and that crew who are, you know, they, they're doing the same thing that has always been done and that they're kind of taking these, issues and these kind of conflicts that we're dealing with that we don't always address head on and are blowing them up and, you know, making these narratives out of them. You know, one that I know you talk about and uh, I'm always interested in is the revolutionary Gothic, Um, which as far as I know, yeah, I think you've coined that term. Is that, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was the first to say it. I got people yelling at me on Twitter about like not citing Derrida or whatever, but well, then that you did right. concept. that's, that's yeah. like the seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, so that's, you know, it, it can be used to talk about class the way, you know, it's always been used to talk about class, but in a way that's different now. And I think is really interesting, you know, one of the other ways that it's really changed over time, I think, is so much of Gothic before was this genre that allowed you to talk about these kind of taboo items and these um, subversive topics in a way that just isn't really the same anymore. Um, you know, like, for the most part, we live in a, a time where you can pretty much talk and write about anything pretty head on, right? Like name a controversial topic and we can find a, a, a book that's been published on it by a big five publisher. You know, there's kind of no, nothing you can't really talk about anymore. So I think the, the genre has had to adapt to that in a way that's interesting. Um, I don't really, I can't give a concise answer to like how it's dealing with that, but I think it's, it's an important conversation it's dealing with. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that the Gothic used to be a vehicle for talking about sexuality in particular in ways mm-hmm. that you couldn't do directly. And it can still be that, but it's not not that because you can't talk about your sexuality anymore, I think, uh, at least to the extent that it was true 150 years ago. That's a really important point, um, which kind of segues to a question that you may have already answered. But I'm just I'm just curious, like, you know, if we're thinking about the utility of different genres, what do you think the Gothic contributes to our culture, especially now that other genres, you know, can't or don't like, what is the real potency of the Gothic out in the culture? Well, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit on what I just said. And, um, part of what I think is that it's a genre that really 
I think it can it also allows you to maybe to talk about things that don't get talked about that should be talked about. Um, and it's not that there's a taboo about talking about them, but that there's a, a clear taboo in terms of our willingness to be honest and deal with these topics. Um, and that goes a lot with what we've said kind of earlier on that it's kind of about these unburied histories of these things that are, are lingering and we just haven't fully resolved. And I think it's, it's a genre that is kind of ready made to deal with that, you know, with the ghosts, the hauntings, the, the anxiety that kind of presides over everything. Um, I, I think, you know, it's just made for that for so many great reasons. And yeah, I mean, I forgot the point I was going to make right after that. Well, I mean, oh. what, yeah, go ahead. Well, I think you're on, I think you're making a really crucial point here, which is, that I, I tend to make up. like five points at once. And I apologize for that. Oh, don't. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, that's, that's kind of what we end up doing, <laughs> especially me. Um, but I think that's really important to kind of take note of, like you mentioned, especially the eco-gothic. Uh, and then we have this whole category of class conflict Gothic, which I've termed revolutionary Gothic. Um, and in those categories, especially like, it's not as if anyone who's likely to be buying, uh, you know, a lot of fiction books nowadays is going to say like, oh, there's no class conflict or, you know, class issues in the United States or elsewhere. Just like no one who's buying a lot of, a lot of fiction books is likely to say, oh, the, you know, ecology, climate, it's all great. There's no problem there. Um, so like there, there's an awareness, you're right. Mm-hmm. But like, what does it really mean to to delve deeply to see the things that even as we think we've unburied the thing are still buried? Um, to really confront the deep essence of the thing, to confront what's really scary about the thing. So like, even when you have all these issues that are supposedly dredged to the surface, I mean, I think we know that the cycle in our culture now, something gets dredged to the surface, it gets named, it acquires a sort of academic or activist language of its own. Um, it becomes a trope out on Twitter and in digital media, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, but that point it's just another commodity out in the culture. And mm. it's, it's deep that the problem, the original problem gets defanged. Um, it gets made less threatening. And I think that as someone writing a vampire novel that qualifies as Gothic right now, I would say like mm. what Gothic literature can do is give those things, their fangs back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, I actually, I really like that. I'm going to, Make note of that. <laughs> you can feel free to steal it. Please do. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that's that's all really exciting. And I think that uh, we might want to make this concrete. This has been a really good, I think, theoretical grounding of what the Gothic is and how it works. And it's one that I'll refer back to you for that reason. But to make this a little more concrete, I mean, you have your inaugural issue out for New Gothic Review. I was finishing up reading through it today. Um, I want to say to everyone right now, it's really exciting and there are some killer stories in there. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It's only six. It's only six stories, and they're gonna have more out, uh, you know, later this year, I assume. And they're also taking yeah. submissions starting again soon. By the way, if you write this kind of fiction, they're a good place to look to send it. I would say that as well. Um, anyway, that's my pitch for your publication. But tell me, in terms of all the theoretical stuff we've been doing, how do you see? I mean, you don't have to go through them one by one necessarily, but like whether an aggregate or individually, I mean, what are some of the ways that you see the stories in your current issue fitting into this conversation we're having? Yeah. So actually one of the things that we haven't talked about, um, which was a big thing for this issue, something we took really seriously was the fact that 
you know, realistically, I think when we think of Gothic fiction, we tend to think of, we tend to think of Victorian England. We tend to think of Scotland. We tend to think of maybe the South and Southern Gothic. And, you know, I, we kind of rebelled against the idea that it, it doesn't belong to, I mean, those places have extremely rich histories and stories in, in Gothic fiction, but it doesn't belong to them solely. You know, these, this genre is, is everywhere. You know, one of the things that we, one of the stories, for example, is, uh, takes place in Hawaii. And that was the kind of an instant turn on to us because it was, it just seems so perfect in that it seems so not traditionally Gothic. Um, and so a lot of these stories, which we'll, we'll talk more about, but they, they kind of change it up, right? Like they, they deal with a different a setting we're not used to or an environment we're not used to or a dynamic that we're not used to. Um, so that was kind of one of the most important things for us, especially in terms of kind of opening the door and allowing other types of cultures, cultures, images, and voices to kind of come into this. Yeah. So the Hawaii one is a, that's a great point. Um, you also have one, uh, at least one that's set in Florida, um, mm -hmm. the Palm Court one, which I know you're a Florida boy. Uh, I appreciated <laughs> that one. I think that one also had a pretty strong Jeff Vandermeer influence, which I also appreciated. Um, yeah. It was kind of a neat uh, synthesis between kind of Jeff Van, some of Jeff Vandermeer's uh, spooky Florida work and uh, also a more a, a sort of classic haunted house gothic voice to it, which I thought was a great um, you know, matching set of elements. But yeah, I, I think like, you know, your, your point being that what we should do in thinking about the gothic is if we unmoor it a little bit from the cliched imagery, unmoor it from the moors, <laughs> the dark and stormy moors, which we can still have, but you know, um, that will, that will free us to put us on all kinds of interesting terrain. And I think that I have to say, I think that your inaugural issue did a great job pointing in that direction. And I'm excited to see, uh, where you guys go from here. Oh, thank you. I mean, yeah, we, you know, kind of an important thing was that each story, you know, like we have a Scottish castle story with a vampire in it. Like that's there. We're not trying it was, to, it totally... was great by the way. <laughs> oh, good. I, I, I do want to know what your, your thoughts on that one were. Um, but you know, each one had to do, you know, we're not trying to just like totally run away from the Gothic traditions. We want, we want them to be there. But the, the important thing for us was that each, each thing did something a little bit different. You know, like we can jump into it. That one I think is, I, it was so, it was so fun to us to see like the vampire literally like turned on its head, right? Like the vampire is no longer the, the blood sucking villain, right? Like now capitalism is literally sucking it out of the vampire because it cannot yeah. make a profit from it. Like that was, that was sharp to us. We really, we really liked that. Yeah. That one was, uh, that one was great. And like, I, yeah, I, I could, I could, I could read more about that particular universe that was posited in that story. Um, yeah. Uh, I, that, that kind of gets me, I, 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 we can talk more about the specific stories, but I mean, one way to do that is for me to ask my next question, which is like, Mm -hmm. One thing that I noticed, I, one thing I was very happy to note is that you got some really great stories, you know, just doing this as an upstart thing and really great stories for, especially from some less experienced or less published writers, but also from some very well published writers. So it kind of ran the gamut. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I thought it was a really impressive product in general, but especially given that it was an inaugural issue in a kind of cluttered, 
digital media market, a cluttered <laughs> literary publishing market, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of the, the outcome has been good. I mean, what do you want to say about the kind of the, the process of getting there? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about. Um, some of the, the obvious one, which I won't go into because it's so ubiquitous is, um, you know, there's not a lot of, kind of, there's not a lot of money and funding in this kind of thing. You know, we're not attached to any kind of academic institution. So that, you know, that certainly created a challenge of its own, but that's, you know, everyone has that experience. So it's kind of the least interesting one. Um, one thing that I think really made it easier for us as far as it, you know, as far as it could be easy was that we kind of had a niche that we could access a little bit more quickly than I think just a, a regular literary magazine could, which was really helpful to us because, you know, like you said, it's so crowded and I don't like to say this about a medium that I love and appreciate so much, but like how many more just kind of literary magazines that publish extraordinary fiction do we need? You know, like there's just so many. And it, it's good. It's great. I'm, I'm happy to see it. But it's been really nice to kind of have such a specific niche and find that audience and kind of have a place. For, I won't say have a place for us that was waiting for us, but, you know, there's not a lot of, there's plenty of genre magazines, but um, there's, there's really not a whole lot of Gothic fiction magazines, you know, like we did our homework, we did our research and there's not a whole lot of them out there, plenty of horror magazines. And as we said, this genre overlaps a ton, but there's really not a lot that focuses on just Gothic fiction. So that was really helpful. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a stroke of genius on the part of, uh, you and your co-editor because, you know, you, you by by saying it's called the New Gothic Review and and positing that you're trying to sort of search out where that cutting edge is, you enter into a dialogue um, and kind of a constructive process with both your uh, your writers and your readers. So it's like it's less like we're coming on the scene and declaring authoritatively that we're doing, you know, we know exactly what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it, um, which can be especially tricky when like you're the same as every, every other lit journal, which many lit journals are. Um, <laughs> But, it, but in your case, it's like, well, let's let's do some exploring together. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, to me, that's actually coming across very clearly in the stories you picked, because, um, you know, you could tell it's writers who have had experience doing horror or weird or macabre. We use different words. Right. And these are all kind of, you know, these, these are terms that can have a lot of specificity or can be very uh, wobbly. But uh, I, I have to say that that one of the really lingering impressions I'm left with coming away from the first issue is like, yeah, uh, Ian and his co-editor have really done an impressive job trying to find where the Gothic is going and trying to push it there. So I'm excited. I honestly think that this project has, has a lot of legs and I hope it keeps going. Well, thank you. I mean, that, that really means a lot. Um, you know, it's, you know, I've obviously, you know, I, I work in publishing and so I'm kind of used to, working with other people's writing, but this was kind of its own thing in a way that I was kind of responsible for putting it out there, you know, like that was its own thing, you know, as, as an agent, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's just a different kind of connection. Um, and so, 
getting this to come together was it felt really good. It was a different experience for me. And obviously it's a nerve wracking one because, you know, you're a new magazine, you're halfway through your submission window and, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, are we going to have enough to fill this out? And uh, we did. We got lucky that we uh, we found six super awesome stories. Um, also different. Well, I will say that that is definitely the struggles of a very brand new lit mag. Because once you have any kind of profile at all, you're going to get thousands of submissions. <laughs> uh, I, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, I, I I don't have a whole lot of friends who have started literary magazines, so I don't have a lot of reference. But, you know, we, we pulled in a good amount on our first round. And um, especially the end, like we had, we received half of our submissions in the last two weeks of a like 12 week window. It was, it was wild. It was a wild January for us. That's yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'm not totally surprised just because, you know, you've got writers floating around out there looking at when submissions deadlines are, and they're probably trying to hit other deadlines for other places. And like, that actually makes a lot of sense, but it's a cool learning experience. Uh, I have to say I've done in the last year, uh, I've been working with a lit journal at the university of Montana cut bank. <laughs> I've read a lot of slush and I don't want to like, uh, talk a bunch of shit here because that would be unkind. But like, I will say that re- reading slush is there's a reason they call it slush. It can get pretty numbing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most numbing is, um, like I can't tell you how many just like straight horror stories we read and a lot of them were great. You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm sure they would have been picked up by another horror magazine, but, uh, that was the hardest thing is kind of getting people to understand like what, what, what is Gothic and what's not. I mean, that's co-ed. That's the whole point of the magazine. But um, that was the biggest thing is a lot of submissions were like, Oh, that was good. But was that, was that Gothic? And, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh yeah, maybe. But most of the times it was no, no, not at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it panned out, but you, you, you seem to have a lot of writers who had pretty sophisticated understanding of these things ultimately, which was, Nice oh, to yeah. see. Um, and I also want to say you had some great illustrations. So you had some serious illustrators working on this issue as well. So people should go to your site for that too, I would say. Yes. Um, I also like your logo, which I think is a raven. It is a raven. And um, I probably shouldn't say this publicly. We'll get in trouble. But um, it's actually a graffitied raven on the back of a now closed restaurant in Bushwick. <laughs> um, I was just walking by one day and I was like, ah, oh, damn, that, uh, that looks good. And uh, you know, we did some <laughs> editing to it, but, uh, every time I walk by there now and I walk by there a lot now because I have a lot of free time in my hand and, uh, walks to take. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's where, that's where it came from. I, I think legally when you graffiti something, you surrender your copyright. I've decided that at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I looked it up. I looked it up and uh, that seemed to be the consensus, but that's also the consensus I wanted. So um, who knows if it's true. That's how a surprising amount of the law works. Wouldn't you know it? Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, this is actually more of an off the cuff question. And uh, I know you like to think about the things before answering, but in this kind of similar vein, I mean, what are some exciting examples of the Gothic out there in the culture, whether they are, uh, you know, fiction or otherwise. I mean, what would you point people towards who are like, I want to, I want to learn about the Gothic as it's taken place in the last, let's say decade or so. Oh yeah. Um, well, there's kind of two veins of it. Um, there's 
look, there's a lot of great writers out there writing fiction that is gothic fiction. But I would say it's a it's a brand of gothic fiction that I think is a little bit more what people are used to uh, or what you would expect. Um, you know, we've talked about these authors, authors like I uh, like Sarah Perry is one, uh, you know, uh, Kate Morton is another, you know, these I think these 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 writers are great and I think everyone should should read them. But it is not necessarily the kind of gothic that. um you know, it's not in the same vein that we're, something we're trying to focus on in terms of it, it, it is a little bit more of what we're used to. Um, and it's, you know, keeping this tradition alive, which is which is really important. I think if we're talking about kind of thinking about the, the idea and the brand of the magazine and how have other writers who are being published now capturing that, uh, there's, there's, a, there's so many. Um, one who's a big one for me and who is actually a huge inspiration for starting the magazine um, is a Japanese author named uh, Yoko Ogawa, which have you, have you read it? I think you have read some first. Actually, I read her for the first time this semester and yeah, I'm a big fan. I want to read more Ogawa. She's great. Yeah. uh, I mean, her, her, she has a collection of short stories, which to be honest is actually the only thing I've read. Um, Her novels tend to, I won't say tend to, I haven't read them. But um, they seem to envelop a lot of other genres as well. But her short stories are these really kind of, you know, there's nothing kind of traditionally gothic about them. They have this eeriness to them and this, certainly this like macabre sense to them. But they are just kind of out there in this really cool way. And they're just like totally different imagery you know, if you kind of describe it, it's, it doesn't feel very gothic, but when you read it, it has this claustrophobic sense to it. It has these characters who are, have these anxieties that uh, seem really difficult to express. Uh, I mean, you've read it too, so I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But Yeah, are you thinking of um, her book, Revenge, in particular? Oh, yeah, it would help if I said what the book was. Yes, it is Revenge. Um, <laughs> and I, think, I think you make, you describe it well. I think that I think of that... I believe it could qualify as gothic. I think it, it's deeply uncanny. There's this yeah. sense of like uncanny, um, surreal intrusions all the time, but the intrusions have this sort of logic that becomes slowly unburied as you go through the the narrative. Um, you know, and, and there's also a lot of things literally being unburied in, in her work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's, yeah, I, I think she's a really fascinating exemplar of this. And luckily she's someone who's getting more attention in the U S which is nice to see. Yes. Yes, it is nice. Um, some others, another, uh, another, a couple British folks, as it tends to be. Um, Daisy Johnson is another who comes to mind, or at least her, uh, her another short story collection um, called Fen. Um, I don't know if you've read any Daisy Johnson. Have you? No, actually. I mean, she had the, she she kind of got really popular really quickly for her book Everything Under that got um, shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize recently. Um, I've not read that book, but her short story collections are these they're these really very. She's using a lot of gothic tropes and a lot of got traditional gothic imagery, but the kind of the soul of her works are really really modern, and they have this sensibility to them that is really weird like it's not it's not afraid to be out there and kind of subversive it's not you know it's not being presented as this like 
um, like precious ghost story, if that makes sense. I feel like a lot of Gothic fiction today can be presented that way. And I don't mean to talk down about it like that, but no, I think that's a great point. I mean, we talked about the service aesthetics and there's, there's a movie you can make where you just kind of trade cheaply on all of that, maybe periodically or satirically that, um, you know, I mean, it, it can be easy to fall into that. It's sort of like the young Frankenstein thing. You know, you, you say the name and the horses were up in the background, <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's where, that's where Gothic gets tricky is, uh, well, one of many places, but not falling into not, uh, making a bunch of jokes about it. I, I'm curious, and that's a good segue because you, you named a lot of writers there, some of whom I haven't already talked about before. So this is fruitful. Um, I think we're, we're at a really interesting moment. We have people on fairly regularly who work in publishing in different capacities. And we talked to a lot of writers and we always end up falling into conversations about what's going on with publishing and the creation, distribution and reading of books. Um, and I, I will say, obviously, you and I are going to spend hours more talking about this over the course of the summer. <laughs> I know we are. Um, that's just on the agenda. But just for purposes of, you know, our listeners and thinking about not necessarily just the Gothic, but I mean, what do you think about publishing right now in this moment of crisis and upheaval? I mean, what are some of the risks and what are some of the opportunities? I mean, where, where do you what's your read these days? Uh, I mean, I think the the kind of the honest read, which I feel like a lot of people in publishing feel right now, is that there it's hard to do any kind of a read. Um, you know, it, it it's so it's just hard to tell anything what's going. I mean, publishing is a hard industry to kind of tell what's going on anyway. Um, let alone when there's a pandemic that is, you know, kind of having effects on every single part of the process. Um, so, you know, a few things that seem kind of inherent to me are that obviously things are, are going to be a bit risky these days, I think, you know, and that's not necessarily a permanent thing, but it's, I think publishing is a kind of risk averse industry as it is. And I think that this is going to temporarily, temporarily bring that out a little bit more in terms of like what it decides to publish and acquire, um, you know, it's, it's a kind of industry, you know, you know this, but it's kind of industry that is reluctant to deal with things that it doesn't know how to deal with or to kind of take something on that is, there's no existing marketing plan on how to deal with. And I think we're going to see probably maybe that having a little bit more of an effect, um, these coming days. When you say more of an effect, yeah. do you mean getting more risk averse? Yes. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I, I, I think. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, when when budgets are kind of restrained the way that they are, I mean, that's that's usually how it comes down to is, you know, do you do you feel confident rolling out these these titles that are kind of new and different and um I think not to say that it's going to become totally risk averse, but I think it will be more the, it's, it, the conversation around that topic is going to be in flux a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's, we've talked about this so, so much elsewhere and that's kind of would be, be my read as well as a less informed person. I mean, do you see any, 
opportunities or upsides that are currently emerging. And they could be as specific as like, it's a great time for this kind of book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, a lot of people say, as has been on Twitter, that it's a great time for vampire books. Uh, (laughs) Oh, really? That's great, Ian. I'm so glad you heard that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm actually going to be really, I'm really curious to see Twilight roll out. Um, it's you know I didn't read the books and to be honest I'm probably not going to read uh, this one, but it's going to be the first time that you know one of these mega hits in terms of like the mega YA hits of our generation. You know you have your Harry Potter, Hunger Games, Twilight. It's going to be the first time that one of those has come back as we get older, and I'm really curious to see what the take is going to be. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because there's a lot of risk in unburying, to use one of our ongoing verbs, kind of like that nostalgia and trying to reanimate it. Um, Because it's never going to be, because it's in different ways, right? Because it's never going to be quite like it was when you were reading it at 16. But at the same time, you know, that's a risk. But at the same time, people might want exactly that. I don't think we really know. I I agree with you that it's like, it's a strange moment. It's going to cast a long shadow to keep using gothic metaphors. Um but yeah, I, I feel like this is one of my opportunities to say that I want to thank Stephanie Meyer <laughs> for <laughs> everything she's doing right now to help revive uh, vampires in, in the publishing uh, world. Because I, I, I think, you know, I don't know that's going to help me at all, but I am at least glad that vampires are being talked about. Because regardless of my own career, I think vampires are really cool and should always get their due. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, as far, and as far as the the gothic is concerned more widely um you know i think something that i think it's going to be a good time for gothic writers to kind of step up and um you know get working on on projects because you know especially you know in our you know i'm not going to make some broad statement about our political environment but especially in our country i think something like this this crisis we have is drawing a lot of things up that people are kind of looking at and saying like, you know, this has always been bad and we're only kind of just now seeing the effects of it in, in, in all parts of life and society. And I think that there's a real opportunity there to look and say, you know, here are all these things that are, are wrong and that we're, we're dealing with that we aren't talking about and that we haven't talked about. And the fact that we haven't talked about them for so long has resulted in where we are now. And I think those issues are endless. Yeah. I think that's actually a really, that's a really, really important point. I think for us to land on is, um, <laughs> given the general sense that all of these problems we've tried to ignore or suppress are sort of rushing back. Um, yeah, I, I honestly share your feelings sincerely that it'll be a good, that this is a renaissance of the gothic and that I'm super excited to see where that leads because I, I mean, I it's a genre I'd like to see blossom and have a new golden age. Um, that's probably a pretty good place for us to start winding down. Before we sign off, is there anything else uh, that you want to mention or talk about? Oh, well, um, you know, I, I hope everyone uh, has a chance to check out the magazine. And, um, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about all the stories in detail, but that just is a good reason for everyone to go and read them. They're on our website. 
they are free is another uh, important important point for people to know as um, you can go check them out. You can read them um, for nothing. And we have a Patreon page because uh, we are a literary magazine. Like I said, we, we're not uh, rolling it in, so to speak. So, you know, we rely on the support of our readers heavily. And um, like you said, yes, we also, our submission window is opening up for the summer. So, like we said, all these uh, great opportunities to write gothic stories. I know a place where you can submit them, and maybe they'll be published. Uh, so you should you should send them our way. Awesome. Yeah, I'll repeat what Ian said. Um, go check out the New Gothic Review at thenewgothicreview.com. It's a very attractive website. They have great illustrations. It's free. They did a great job bringing it out. Um, and the stories are wonderful. And check out their Patreon as well if you especially like it. Uh, and yeah, if you're doing this kind of writing, I can tell you that, um, you know, Ian is a very astute editor and shepherd of writing projects, as I'm intimately aware from my experience. So yeah, I think it's a great place to submit to as well. So yeah. Thanks so much, Ian. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, it was nice to chat about the Gothic. Uh, I feel like I have lots of things to say and don't always say them in the most succinct manner so it's it's been nice to have a soundboard for all this yeah man well this has been great and uh one of these days we might have to get you back on as our world becomes ever more gothic <laughs> yeah that would be great i mean it'd be bad but it'd be great <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's the gothic summed up it'd be bad but it'd be great <laughs> thank you man and thanks everyone absolutely thank you so much connor